Good morning. All right. Well, you know, we've had weeks of uh, monster ratings for COVID-19. And now suddenly the summer replacement series is here. Illinois on fire. Uh, and so let's dive right into it, because uh, obviously uh, we have multiple crises that have been unfolding at once. Uh, and uh, this is stretching from uh, uh, Springfield, Champaign, Peoria to Chicago and all the way to Washington. Even the president weighing in on this. Uh, David, from your view up there, uh, how are things looking? We know Chicago took a lot more of the brunt of this than Springfield did, fortunately. But give us the perspective from up there. Well, from up here, of course, we're focused on uh, you know the, the riding in the streets uh, of Chicago um, and all the damage that was done. But what strikes me looking down towards Springfield is I can't remember another time when protests have been so widely spread geographically. We're protesting uh, and in some cases looting and such uh, have, have hit, uh, you know, the handful of cities that you just named uh, and, and along with an, quite a number of others. And that's the case, not, not just in Illinois, but in states across the country. So it's not just in the major urban centers. It's in cities all over the place. And that speaks to the broader issue of um First of all, the power of that video of George Floyd being uh, having the, the life squeezed out of him by this indifferent uh, Minneapolis cop, but also just the, the history of racism in policing in this country. And um, it, it's a powerful moment. Well, it, it certainly is. And it has been an unnerving moment. Uh, and once again, Illinois finding itself in a national spotlight because our governor uh, is, is going toe to toe again with President Donald Trump. How's that playing out up there? Well, you know, Governor Pritzker has shown a talent for recognizing moments in which, uh, by speaking up, he really makes an important point and uh, gathers some uh, notoriety uh, nationally. And he did so on a call to which 50 governors were invited with the president. Um, and uh, he spoke up and, and talked about uh criticized the president, saying we have to call for calm. The rhetoric that's coming out of the White House is making it worse. And, of course, the president jumped back at him. I don't like your rhetoric much either, and criticized uh, Pritzker, um, sort of typical tip for tat. Uh, The other way in which Pritzker has stood up is to say that there is no way, and he's not alone in this, it's saying, as a governor, there is no way that the military, uh, the the, the federal uh, military will be allowed to come into the state of Illinois. And under our federalist system, uh, a, a governor needs to invite, uh, at least under our laws and constitution, uh, the governor needs to invite the U.S. military to take part in any sort of uh, activity uh, within their um, borders. And so he is, the governor has stood up in two ways, um, uh, really made a point, uh, and a point that has resonated nationally and, and so exhibited some leadership nationally. 
You know, I, I facetiously compared this to uh, a reality show and uh, and plot twists. But in all honesty, unfortunately, that's kind of the way it plays out when we get uh, sidetracked on these issues like uh, Pritzker versus Trump or the, uh, the the tough talk about sending the military into states. And we really do kind of lose sight of the underlying issue here, which is that we do still see real problems with systemic racism, with justice not being delivered fairly and equally. Uh, And and David, you've got a historical perspective on this uh, to talk about this morning, uh, the fact that this is not in any way a new issue here in Illinois. Well, no, it's not. Um, You know, certainly we've seen it over many, many years, and most recently, obviously, going back to the Laquan McDonald shooting, which uh, was just very recently. But even going back to the 1960s and 70s, our own governor, then Governor uh, Otto Kerner, was the uh, appointed uh, by President Johnson to head up a commission to... um, Uh, look at racism in policing. And uh, he found back then words that resonate today about, you know, we live in a world of uh, um, unequal, you know, unequal treatment that that blacks are being victimized by uh, by police. This was in the aftermath of rioting in a number of different cities, Detroit being the most notable of them. Uh, And um, uh, you know, the, the some of the same problems, it's kind of eerie going back and reading the findings of the Kerner Commission, because so little really has changed. And it's 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 a bit demoralizing to think that we're still dealing with these same issues. And we are by no means in a post-racial society, which is what some people were saying when President Obama was elected. Uh, we're in a very racial, racially divided society. And that's part of the reason I think that these riot, these protests are taking place across the country, because people are really beginning to reckon with this now. You know, we've made a lot of progress in some ways. And in some ways, like you said, nothing really much has changed in 50 plus years. Something else that hasn't changed, COVID-19 is still with us, still having a dramatic impact here on the state of Illinois, on our finances, on our lives. We're going to talk about that when we continue here. It's full disclosure. Now turning our attention to the ongoing fallout from COVID-19. And one of the big ways it's impacted the state, of course, is in Unemployment, job losses, well over a million people who have uh, applied for unemployment benefits, others who have still struggled to do so because of ongoing problems with the Department of Employment Security, and a program that could provide some help. But, David, the BGA has found that Illinois is not utilizing this program the way apparently we could. Give us the details. Right. The, the federal government for some time has had a, a program to called the generally referred to as the work share program, which allows for people to collect unemployment benefits, even if they're partially employed. So if their employer reduces their hours and maintains their benefits, they can, they can still collect um, a prorated amount of unemployment. Uh, some 20 plus states uh, use this program. Illinois authorized using this program under Governor Pat Quinn, uh, but never actually implemented it under Governor Bruce Rauner and Governor Pritzker has not implemented the program yet. And the trouble is that this program runs out in 2023. And while uh, the state of Illinois is kind of making some moves to uh, set up an ability to uh, distribute benefits through this program, that's you know delaying the actual distribution of benefits. And so we have this federal program available that the state of Illinois is not taking advantage of at a time when uh, any kind of support from the federal government is desperately needed. 
You know, uh, there's been a lot of frustration about uh, not just the, uh, the the issue like this, but also the, uh, the the continuing problems in the Department of Employment Security. Uh, and, you know, the, the governor's response to this has been, in effect, see, this is what happens when you cut the heart out of state governments, which is what he says has, has happened for, for years now, as we have shrunk the workforce. We have, I believe, still uh, the smallest number of state government employees per capita of any state in the nation. Is that a, a, a fair response to this, David? Well, I, I think they're unrelated. I mean, they're uh, the... What we're talking about is jobs in, in this particular program, jobs in the private sector um, and the um, the need to be recognized that the federal government has recognized that uh, work share has becoming increasingly common. Uh, part time jo- jobs are being offered and people can't necessarily support themselves on a part time job. And so this is meant to compensate for that, um, make it possible for people to still live a decent life, especially the extension of benefits. So um, it, it's a different program with, with different ramifications. You know, I guess what I was just getting to is that, you know, in, in effect, trying to to keep up on all of these things takes manpower, which he says the state has just simply been lacking. Well, OK, I'm sorry, Jim. Yeah, yeah I mean, I guess that's an OK explanation. I, I, I'm not sure it really sells, but um I, I'm sure the governor and his staff have a lot on their minds right now, uh, but there's there's no evidence. The governor has never stated that um, he is trying to get to this program. Uh, he is uh, wanted to, to staff this program more effectively, but but had to make a tough decision not to do so. In fact, in his budget, he does everything he can to maintain pretty much every single job in state government. There are no job cuts in this very tight uh, state budget. And um, one would think that had the governor paid attention to this and seen it as an opportunity, there may have been some positions he could shift around in order to staff a program such as the one we're talking about. David, only a couple of minutes left here. We want to talk uh, briefly. Standard & Poor's has weighed in now with its assessment of the state budget that lawmakers just passed. As you said, not a lot of cuts in spending here. Not a lot of changes. Now Illinois does business and a pretty big gaping hole that we're hoping will be filled with federal assistance here. S&P not terribly impressed. No, not very impressed at all. Um, the S&P has, uh, like the, the other rating agencies, has Illinois at a very low, kind of just one notch above uh, junk rating and with a negative outlook. And in, in a statement that they issued this week, they pointed out that the governor is banking a lot on getting $5 billion in aid from the federal government, whether that's in the form of direct assistance or in borrowing under the Federal Reserve's municipal liquidity facility. Um, There's no guarantee that that money is going to come through either the direct aid or the Federal Reserve uh, borrowing in a timely fashion in order to fill the holes that that the state may be facing. The state has other options potentially available to it, but this makes credit rating agencies very nervous when a uh, state is kind of uh, so thinly financed, especially in the face of a $7 billion backlog of unpaid bills and the fact that Illinois enters this reception, uh, this recession with uh, kind of the smallest rainy day fund uh, among the states, or one of them at least, and very basically no rainy day fund. And so the state government could be funded for about 15 seconds. Yeah. yeah. And so we we continue on 
the way it seems like we always do here in Illinois. And that wraps it up for this week. David Grising, before we let you go, tell people how to reach you and the Better Government Association the rest of the time. Uh, I'm at uh, dgreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And my website, our website is bettergov.org. And here each Wednesday morning, it's full disclosure on the WMAY Morning News Feed. David Grising, President and CEO of the BGA, thanks much. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Jim. Bye-bye.